This is Metal Mike, and on this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, we talk to a glam metal legend, Zinni J. Zan. We talk his current project, Stagman, and we talk some classic stories on Easy Action and Shotgun Messiah. And we find out where his former bandmates from Shotgun Messiah are today. Instead of me saying, check it out, let's shout it out. Zinni, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing today, brother? Thank you very much. Well, I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, too. So, you have a new album coming out in February under the name of Stagman. Uh, It's all in Swedish. Uh, What can you tell us about it? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. I, I, uh, back in 2017 or 16, uh, rather, I just uh, was fiddling around doing a new album and... uh, for some reason, I thought that I felt like I have had done <laughs> done pretty much everything in the hard rock genre, so to speak, with uh, singing in English. So it just came up to me that I do whatever music that comes out of me, and I try to do it in my native language, Swedish, because I've never tried that one ever before in my 35 years in, in the showbiz. And, and so I did, I did actually... Uh, my first album, my first solo album in my native language in 2017. And it got really good reviews. So so uh, one thing led to another, and we did the second album in 2018 that got even better reviews and so on. And uh, I thought it was really, it was really fun to work out without any boundaries at, at all. You know, you, you go into a genre when you're young, like the glam, glam scene or sleaze or whatever you want to call it. And that's what you stick to, kind of. And and uh, but this time around, and I felt like, no, I'm gonna do whatever comes out of me when I play the guitar at home. And uh, so now, yeah, as you said, we, we, I, I'm about to 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 launch the third solo album, uh, which is called The Emperor's New Clothes, but in Swedish. <laughs> uh, so that one will be released uh, February 21st. Yes. Great. Now, what made you decide to go from um, Zinni J. Zan to um, Stagman? Well, uh, <laughs> to be honest, well, as an artist, I always be called Zinni J. Zan or Zinni Zan, um, even since back in 1983 when I started, with, when I did my first album with a band called Easy Action. Uh, it all came about when I was sitting there fiddling around in 2016-17 to do this first solo album. And when it came out that I wanted to sing, in, that I wanted to try out to sing my native language Swedish, it felt like okay, let's use my real uh, family name uh, instead. First of all, not to confuse uh, other supporters around the world buying a Cine J Sam thing and then come out and see that what the hell is he singing about because they can't understand the language. Uh, so so. Just for that reason, to be honest, uh, I, I said, okay, that's my family name and I'm going to sing in my native uh, language. So that's, uh, I'm still Zinni J. Zan, of course, uh, but I'm Stagman as well. But that, I think that Zinni J. Zan will probably be the one when I do some English uh, international uh, albums again, uh, that will be most likely under the flag of Zinni J. Zan and not, not Stagman. I listened to your uh, your singles on Spotify, and I think they sound great. Now I couldn't understand a word of them, but I thought you know it was great. <laughs> it was great melodic uh, hard rock. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. I, 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 don't, 
I can understand you don't you don't you, you don't know daily what I'm singing about because it's a Swedish. But uh, well, well, it's just sad. It's, it's just, I would say that the, both albums that are out and now and, and the new one, it is still rock, hard rock, and but there's there's other stuff as well that are more maybe like some stuff. Some people are reminding said that it reminds me of some Bruce Springsteen or Tom Petty or whatever. That that might be. Uh, it's it's not very much glam in that sense. But but you know again, uh, you 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 are not just one single. Uh, let's say one single face. You have a lot of you have a lot of stuff in within you. And, and as a musician, there's a lot of things that you want to try out. And I thought this was a really good opportunity to do that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So. Uh... You mentioned Easy Action, and I'll be honest, I've, I've been digging around. I'm always digging around online for my podcast, finding information, and somehow Easy Action just missed my radar. So that was a band that you had with um, Key Marcello from Europe, correct? Yeah, but uh, before Key Marcello joined Europe, uh, we, we formed this band uh, together uh, called Easy Action, and we did quite a start. It was just at the same time as... Uh, as the Hannah Rocks and stuff like that. Hannah Rocks were old friends of mine. I started my own band, Easy Action. Uh, we got there. That was in 1983. We released our first album. And uh, we got signed to Warner Brothers in the U.S. Uh, under, the Sire, under the Sire label for Seymour Stein. That always, oh, oh, yeah, Blondie, Ramones, and so on. So they signed us. And... Uh, then we got Bill O'Coin management. Back in those days, Bill O'Coin was famous for having Kiss and later on as well, Billy Idol. So he signed us as well and wanted us to come over to the U.S. Uh, for some reason, Key Marcello and the other people in the band um, were hesitant to that. So I moved over, so I quit the band and moved over and spent a year in New York playing around with the different people. But it didn't really work out, so I went back home again to Sweden, and that's when the guys uh, in Kingpin, that later going to be called Shaka Messiah, found out, found me, and uh, you know, the rest of the Shaka Messiah things is history. So yeah, so Easy Action was a band we had from approximately eighty two, eighty three up to eighty five, eighty six when I left the band. Uh, in the U.S., I would say that we're probably most famous because we sued Poison for stealing <laughs> one of our songs that went in the top five. Uh, their song, I Want Action, is actually uh, a ripoff of our We Go Rocking. And uh, we did a settlement with them. Uh, so, you know, they, they, uh, they finally said that, okay, yeah, we stole the album. And uh, back in those days, when they did the first album, and uh, recorded this I Want Action. They had uh, this producer, uh, Browdy, uh, something. And he actually told me, because he sued Poison as well, <laughs> and he actually told me that it was Browdy that found this album when he was in Sweden at the famous ABBA Polar Studios. Uh, and he brought the record with him to the US, and he actually saw us live in Sweden. So, so the album was in the the album was in the studio when Poison were recording that first album. So yeah, that's funny. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say Poison really liked one of your songs, right? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I did not know that you were managed by Bill O'Coin. What was he like? Well, 
Uh, I only got to meet him once due to the fact that the, the rest of the guys in Easy Action didn't want to go to the U.S., so I went there by myself. So I met him, and he was really a nice person. Uh, <laughs> a little strange. But, but the one I met the most was, uh, I believe his name was Brenda Burke. I think he worked for for uh, Bill Coin. So, so Bill Coin I met uh, upon arrival in New York back in 1985. And he told me that, okay, uh, get yourself in studio apartment and uh, find the musicians. And then he hooked me up with Billy Idol, uh, you know, because he was from Europe as well. He's an Englishman. So he said, you, you guys, you two guys would probably get along well, which we absolutely did. But, you know, he was out on tour with Steve Stevens and his things. And, uh, but, you know, I get to hang with them every now and then, try to find musicians and so on. And uh, after, t- after approximately one year, 10 months, something like that, I just saw that, well, I can't find the musicians that I really want in New York, and I, I need to go back home, and that's what I did. So when you went home, you formed uh, Kingpin, and you guys ultimately released the album uh, Welcome to Bop City. So tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, t- t- Tim and Harry, K. Cody and Sticks, they already had their band. Uh, they were located south of Sweden. And uh, they were making a fuss about it around themselves because uh, due to the fact that Harry Cody is a fantastic guitar player. Yes. So they, uh, and all of a sudden when they were uh, shooting for a magazine looking for a singer, uh, the magazine said, like, what kind of singer are you looking for? And they said that they would even love to have Mike Moreau or Christine Zahn. Uh, and the, the magazine, they know me, of course, and they said, well, Zinni, he's available. Why don't you call him? And they said, no, but he's living in New York. Uh, but this uh, magazine knew that I, for a fact, I have moved back again. So they said, contact him. And that's what they did. And I, I took the car down to the south of Sweden, met the guys, and went into the studio. And I was absolutely blown away. I think there was three songs that they had back at uh, that time that I tried out. One of them was Bob City, where we rewrote it uh, so it could fit me a little bit better. So me and Harry rewrote it. And uh, I just... I just got blown away because these guys could really play and they were onto something really good. So, not a lot of people probably know this. Most people just know you guys as Shotgun Messiah. So, what was the thought process? Come to America and, and try to hit it big here? Yeah. <clears throat> One day, uh, when we, let's say, when we, we went into the studio and we absolutely clicked, uh, they were asking me, of course, because... Uh, I don't know if it was just Tim or maybe Tim and Harry. They liked my old band, Easy Action. And they said, hey, Zinni, so what can we do? What kind of connections do you have? You lived in New York and so on and so forth. And um, I said that, uh, you know, I've been touring Scandinavia and around so much with Easy Action. So I said that I want to take this band straight to the U.S. They they thought the same thing. And they said, that's really a possibility. And I said, yeah, this is this is... That's how good you are. That's how good we sound together now. So I said that that's absolutely a shock we should. And, and Harry and Tim absolutely thought the same thing, and so did Sticks. Uh, so I said, let me use my connections, but let's not make it to New York. Let's go down to L.A. because that's it's more happening. Back in the, and, and that's what we saw. So that's what I did. But I, I took, as soon as the album was ready, I talked to the Swedish, Swedish record company that we were signed to at that time. 
that uh, I will go to the U.S. with this and uh, get her signed, and then, you know, you can sell us to any record company that I can come up with. And it, to be honest, it only took me 14 days in L.A., and then I had four record uh, companies that were really interested. And the reason why we choose to go for relativity records uh, was due to the fact that they said, absolutely, we take you over here, we make you... Uh, be living here on H1 visas or less, U.S. citizens or whatever, because I, I told them I don't just want to go over there, make a small tour as a band, as a band starting up, to go back again to Sweden and wait, because if if I'm going to compete with the other bands back in those days, it was kind of Skid Row, or Warrant, and you know all these bands, I want to compete on the on the same uh, premises. Also, uh, uh, relativity records said, "Yeah, we take you over," and, um, and that's what they did. So we relocated. So we only did one gig in Stockholm, in the, in the capital of Sweden, with the Shaka Messiah, and then we moved to LA. And what was the problem with the name Kingpin? Did somebody else already have the rights to it in the U.S.? Yeah, when we came over, uh, as I said, first of all, I don't believe that that relativity records really liked the, the name Kingpin. Uh, but it also turned out that there was a rockabilly band from San Francisco, I believe, called the Kingpins. Uh, and for that fact, uh, we couldn't use that name. And we really tried hard uh, to come up with a good name, but we didn't. So we ended up uh, doing kind of a game that was that each of us in the band would have a, a paper and write one of the coolest, a cool phrase or a cool name, a cool word, so to speak. Uh, and um, I don't know who, which one wrote what, but it was me and Tim. So it was one of us wrote shotgun and the other one wrote Messiah. And then you have paper and you, you, you have them pieces together up and down to see, you know, it could be either way. And all of a sudden, uh, the record company guy, Cliff Kaltraic, goes like, there you go, Shotgun Messiah. That will work. Huh. <laughs> we thought it was a fantastic name. So, that, that, so it was all it was all a game <laughs> how to come up with cool words, and that's how Shotgun Messiah came about. Oh my God, that's funny. So, and if anybody doesn't know, yeah. your look changed drastically. It's like night and day. You're very bright colored when it was Kingpin, and then Shotgun Messiah is very black leather and darker look. Oh yeah, uh, the kingpin thing was really, really uh, colorful, <laughs> to say the least. Not me so much, but the others. As you can see on the on the cover, I wear black already because that's what I usually did. Uh, and I spoke to the guys because they really wanted to make uh, a fuss and uh, controversy around them. But for me, that uh, that album cover of kingpin looked like a, I don't know if. Uh, Band Sweet and the Kajagogo in a, in a crash collection or something like that. So going out to the going out to the U.S., uh, we we sat down and you know can't have this. Let's let's bring the leather there or plastic plastic you know, plastic jackets and so on and so forth. And that's what we did. Is the Kingpin album really any different than the Shotgun Messiah album because it sounds the same? Well, to, to be honest, it's not it's not so much different at all. Uh, it's it's the thing uh, when you come to the U.S. and you get the record company and so on and so forth. 
America always tend to, they want to do their own mix, their own mastering, their own recording, so to speak. Uh, so, so they wanted to be, they wanted to be a little more rougher than it was. So I believe that the mix for Shotgun Messiah album is a little rougher. Uh, to be honest, I prefer the Kingpin uh, producing myself. Uh, and then also we had for shot for for a song called Shout It Out. That one started with with a sampled uh, Tim saying "fuck you," and uh, that. That the record company said, well, the 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 WalMarts or, or all these, they will not take that album. So we changed it to. Instead, uh, we also had a sample thing, a menuet uh, kind of thing in the at the end of the Kingpin album that said "fuck you" as well. Uh, and that one they took away, and then I put in my my my, uh, my love for the band Queen. So I took the the the, um, uh, the intro of Bright and Rock with the circus thing and and just shouting I'm gonna live I'm gonna die down decadence drive and that was the the end of the shotgun album instead so there are a few changes like that really. Well, I know most people agree that it is it is a kick-ass glam metal album. There's so many sleazy tracks, anthems. Uh, it's just an incredible album. Do you, do you like to go back and listen to it a lot? Well, I actually did back in 2013. Uh, and the reason for that was uh, a friend of mine that used to play with me in a band called San Clan, uh, Chris Laney, who's now a guitar player and keyboardist in, in the band Pretty Mates. Uh, we had a band called San Clan together, and uh, he and Rob Marcello, the guitar, another Swedish guy who was a guitar player for the Danger and used to play with Keel as well. Uh, they were approaching me and Sticks, the original drummer for for Chaka Messiah, in order to to uh, reunite Chaka Messiah because they were old fans of that band. And uh, at that time, there was no chance in hell that that Chaka Messiah would get together again. Uh, so they approached and said, "Okay, if if Rob Marcello uh, pick out all these uh, Harry K. Cody uh, guitar stuff and everything like that." Would you would you consider to to call it something else like shotgun or whatever, and and go out and and, and do a tour or some festivals? Uh, I, well, uh, I was not too keen about that, so I said no a couple of times, and then they said that okay, but let's go down to rehearsals and try this. Uh, so we did a rehearsal. We did a rehearsal for a weekend, and it was mighty fun. To you know these songs that you that you uh, wrote together with the other guys back in your young days, so to speak. You know, I'm 56 years old today, so, so <laughs> uh, it was absolutely mind-blowing to, to sing these songs again. Uh, so I said, okay, fuck it, let's, <laughs> let's do this. So we actually did some festivals at Shotgun, not Shotgun Messiah, because obviously it was not Shotgun Messiah. And uh, so we did that in 2013, 2014, we also did a live album, as, um, um, live at um, Decadentia Drive or whatever the name was for it. And it was absolutely a killer to play these songs again. So so I, I have gone back. It's very seldom. I, I never put a Shaka Messiah album on at home. Uh, but, but, but now I had to listen to the songs again to, to remind myself. And I was actually blown away because it still sounded 
still sounded cool and, and, and fresh. So you guys got some love uh, from MTV. They played a couple of your videos, Shout It Out and uh, Don't Care About Nothing. Got pretty good rotation on MTV, especially Headbangers Ball. So that album had to have sold pretty well. Yeah, uh, we had we had for for a time we had both Shut It Out and and uh, Care About Nothing on on heavy rotation for a while at least at, uh, on MTV. And I know that VH1. I don't remember the guy's name, but there was a guy at VH1. He absolutely loved Sucker Messiah, and I was in contact with him a few times. Uh, VH1 was kind of new to us back in those days, uh, but, but yeah, uh, MTV was really on it, and we. We had one. Uh, we were there, me and Tim, uh, to to have a, a hosting day together with uh, Adam Curry. Was his name? Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we did some interviews there and so on and so forth. And and yeah, the the, the album sold good. I'm, uh, around four hundred and ninety thousand albums sold only in the U.S. for the first album, which ain't bad at all. Now, when you talk about MTV, this is a thing I've been thinking about a lot lately as I as I prepare for my podcast. A lot of bands would get played a lot and would get invited to MTV for interviews, and then some other bands wouldn't. So, was that like the label kind of, um, you know, did that did your label have some clout at MTV? Did they pay to get you guys on for interviews, or how did that all work? Do you know? Well. <laughs> Well, I, I certainly don't know everything around it, but, but uh, as with everything, nothing happens just out of coincidence or that some nice person just loves you. No. <laughs> said, oh, come on, I'm to MTV. So, yeah, there were absolutely politics around it. You know, I know that because the, the, the relativity records, the head of relativity records was up in New York. Uh, and... Uh, I know that we sometimes we we were placed in restaurants because we knew that someone from Billboard magazine or someone from MTV is going to be there eating. And oh, what a coincidence! The whole gang of Shaka Messiah is having dinner there as well. You know, things like that happened, and that's what they did. And I know that I know that Relativity Records worked hard on MTV because I don't think they were too keen about it in the beginning. But then I think Adam Curry liked it because his girlfriend absolutely freaking loved Shotgun Messiah. So, so uh, she might have had something to do with it, talking to her boyfriend. And of course, Relativity Records also were on MTV all the time to, you know, bring these guys up, bring these guys up. So, so there's always politics around that. Um, and the same with Billboard. And we, we were actually... I think we came up on the Billboard 49 uh, as best, and so on. And uh, and uh, the Billboard people were really nice to us, talk to us. But we never. I think we had one interview in the Billboard magazine, and that was it. But um, it's it, you know, it's it's about selling a product. So so yeah. You know, in 1989 was such a great year. That's the year you know you guys came out. There were so many debuts: Pretty Boy Floyd, Babylon AD, Vane. Badlands, you name it. I mean, I know for me, a kid in the '80s, that was just like the peak of the 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 hair metal, glam metal scene for sure. I I absolutely agree. You know, we when we when we were relocated to the U.S. and, and to Hollywood, that was in, back in '88, and then then to finish up the the Kingpin album or become like Shaka Messiah. And when we saw all these new bands coming up, we did, we saw you know different bands here and there. 
And we, we said, this is absolutely mind-blowing to be here right now. It, it was absolutely the right time. It was absolutely fantastic. And all these new bands, as you said, and we, you know, we even toured with Pretty Bro Floyd. We toured together. We had a co-headline tour, so to speak, uh, for a while, a couple of months. And that was like wherever Pretty Boy Floyd had sold more albums than us, those cities, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, were the headline. And the other ones where we sold more records in those cities, we were the headline. So we, we were splitting the bill like that. And we were out for a couple of months. But for some reason, Electra uh, pulled the Pretty Boy Floyd back. I don't know if it was poor sales or if it was anything else. Uh, so then we had to go out on tour by ourselves later on uh, and also we a band that Gene Simmons had uh, called EZO yep. uh, Japanese metal guys yeah they're good I like them <laughs> yeah yeah so we toured with them as well so yeah but as you said 1989 it was absolutely fantastic and uh, and we were kind of we were kind of scared when we, we were about to uh, to launch the, the Welcome to Bob City or the Shaka Messiah album due to the fact that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, but in the same week or some weeks between, I think the releases, except for our first album, our very first album in the U.S., it was Aerosmith came out with Pump, The Cult came out with Sonic Temple, Motley Crue came out with Dr. Feelgood, <laughs> and then, of course, I think it was Skid Row as well, right? Maybe they came up a little earlier. But was in just same week we had those releases and we were like, oh wow, we're gonna be so drowned. No one's gonna buy our album. Uh, but the fact of the matter was that the, the Relativity Record did a fantastic job with with uh, with uh, putting out. We were on posters everywhere. Where they really worked with our records, so we were all over the place. And and again, the proof is in the pudding. If you put a lot of effort into it and money of course uh, you will sell and uh, that's what we did so at a certain point uh, I, don't, I wouldn't know the exact year maybe you could tell me um, you're out of the band what what happened there uh, well yeah uh, uh, the Hollywood time and the, the, the Hollywood years they were pretty hectic they were fantastic and fun uh, but there was a lot of other stuff as well you know there was, uh, there was booze drugs and late nights and so on and and um, uh, for a while, I think that I was, I was, uh, we, we did, uh, we did a Christmas, we did a Christmas thing at, uh, at, uh, uh, what do you call it? Roxy on Sunset Strip. Uh, and we invited the uh, Pretty Boy Floyd as well. Uh, and that was like kind of Christmas rock special. And uh, then we partied on for, for five days or something like that. And me and, and Cece DeVille, that, uh, for that matter. <laughs> How strange could that be? But uh, Cece and I really uh, hooked up as friends. And uh, I got sick uh, due to the fact that I was drinking and, uh, drinking and drugging out way too much. Uh, and after that, we went on a tour in, uh, in, in the beginning of 1990. And uh, then it started more or less. It was, uh, I would say, Tim, Tim was not too happy with how the band was pr progressing. Uh, and then we started to write songs for the second album, and it was it was back and forth there. Uh, Harry sat with me sometimes. Sometimes, of course, he, he sat with Tim because Tim and Harry was living together, and me and Sticks were living together. 
So we had like two different apartments, so to speak. And uh, it was there the tension started, uh, really. Uh, and it, I think the tension was between me and, and me and Tim. Uh, and um, all of a sudden, we just felt like this is not going to work. Uh, I, I felt absolutely sideblinded by them uh, because they were never inviting me all of a sudden. And I felt like, okay, then I have to do something else and something different. So I, I was hanging out with other people, uh, like the guys from Europe or, or Billy Idol or whatever, because he moved down to L.A. as well uh, back in those days. And um, we just sat down and uh, we said, okay, it, it seems like we can't work together. Uh, so then I said, okay, um, they'll skip it. Uh, Relativity Records uh, took me out for numerous of dinners. And said, "So how are we going to get you back in the band?" And I said, "There's there's no reason because they want to go another way, and they are not too keen to work with me anymore." Uh, and to be honest, I could no one no one of them really spoke to me about it either. So so, um, uh, but I guess it was a little bit of uh, Tim wanted to sing. I believe he wanted to be a singer, and and that's what happened later on. So. Uh, so we didn't fight too much about it. We said, okay, if it's not, if it was not meant to be, not meant to be. So I said, okay, fine, I leave, uh, and that's what I did. Hmm. What do you think of the album that they did? Uh, well, they did a couple albums after you left. What do you think of those albums? Well, I love the Second Coming album, absolutely. And the, and the funny thing uh, is that that's the path that I really wanted to go. And I know when, when back in the days for the first album, and when we moved to LA, I always had the Raw Power album from Iggy and the Stooges in our band car. And I know that Tim absolutely hated it because he said, I've turned that fucking demo off because he thought it sounded like a demo because it was shitty sounding. And all of a sudden they do such and destroying all those stuff uh, when I'm not in the band anymore, which surprised me quite a lot, to be honest. But, but uh, well, yeah, I think Second Coming was a fantastic album. Really, really good. Um, I don't think it would have sounded the same with me. Uh, and, and I think Tim did a, did an absolutely okay job because I never, to be honest, I never considered him as a singer at, at all. He was he was kind of a an okay backup singer and not even that because I thought Harry had a, a lot better voice for that. So I was kind of surprised that he really pulled it up. So, you know, all, all, all credit for it. To him for that but the album is good I, lo- I love that album I think it's really good a couple thoughts that I have on it is um, what's funny is when you when I think of Tim's voice when he sings in Shotgun Messiah uh, like on the first album it's it's very whiny right and then it seems like when he gets as, as the lead vocal position on the second album it, he doesn't sound that he does not like that at all he has he's actually sounding a little bit more deeper a little bit more of a growl so I thought that was kind of funny um, I, you know, I never, I never bought that album when it came out. I think at that point, I, a lot of my '80s glam fans are gonna boo me right now. But I think I kind of moved on and, and got into some heavier stuff. Uh, I can remember like Overkill and Testament and, and Priest had done Painkiller. I think I had moved on a little bit, so I never got that album. And I think it was pretty much over for that scene uh, in '91. So I, I don't think that album fared very yeah. well commercially. Yeah, I, I believe. Yeah, I, I believe, I, I would say that whatever we would have done, even if we would have done a new album with me going on the same path as the first album, uh, I think that that album would have died as well. 
Uh, now I don't think that the the, the, the second command dies, but it never got it never got really big. But and that's due to the fact that the that the grunge came along. Yeah. And I think that I think that to be honest, without knowing, because this is just my thoughts and nothing nothing that that ever Harry or Tim have said, but it seems like they were on the verge of trying to 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 do rock and roll and grunge, looking at the grunge at the same time. Uh, due to the fact that the flannel shirt that that that, that uh, Tim always started to wear instead and stuff like that, so I think they were kind of flirting with that one, but it didn't really work out that well. The crazy thing is, is now Heartbreak uh, Boulevard is always on Sirius XM, and it, I feel like that song is is played all the time. And to me, it feels like when it was out, it, it didn't do a thing, but it's still right now. You know, it's picked up steam that song over the years. It could very well be in in Europe. It's it, in Europe, they play, uh, care about care about nothing quite a lot. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, so, what's your relationship uh, like with Tim now? When was the last time you guys talked? Well, Tim and I haven't spoke since 1990. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's the relationship we have. <laughs> so he's he's done with Shotgun Messiah, right? He he's. He, I know he played with Marilyn Manson, and he does his own thing, and he's pretty much deep into the industrial sound. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Is he done with Shotgun Messiah? <laughs> Let's say like this. Uh, approximately two years ago, because I got a, I got a really, really good relationship with Sticks, uh, the drummer, uh, and he was playing with me with, with Shotgun, of course. Well, uh, me and Harry, uh, the latest years now, we are in contact uh, you know, every now and then, looking after each other, see how you're doing fine, how are you and your wife, and, you know, uh, Merry Christmas, you know, Happy Birthday, those things, talking a little about here and there with, with music and so on and stuff like that. And it all it came about two years ago. We were talking about maybe doing an, uh, a, re- a reunion with the original. Uh, and uh, Tim talk to Harry so Tim didn't 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 talk to me at all so through Harry he said that that would be a cool thing to do and uh, could you please uh, Zinni could you please check out the festivals around in Europe and uh, that's what I did uh, and Tim I think Tim had set the price for it as well and uh, that price range almost be reached uh, so I said that we have uh, approximately five or six of these festivals that would like to do it. But of course, they are on different dates and so on over the summers. And uh, since Tim and Harry are living in the U.S., uh, it, uh, it didn't really work out. So at the end of the day, uh, Tim and Harry came back to me, or Harry came back to me and said, well, I'm just speaking to Tim. And it seems like we can't really do it because then we have to go back and forth a few times. Uh, which gonna be hard for them. So uh, let's not let's not make these plans. But uh, to for me and Harry, it was really fun because Harry said that, "Wow, I'm really gonna work on my my, my stuff because you know it's been a long time since I played those songs." Uh, not that he couldn't pull it off because absolutely, you know, he's still an absolute amazing guitar player. And he said, "Well, I'm working hard on these ones now because we got it. We got to really sound good if we come out there." So it, it was about to happen two years ago, but I think uh, a year and a half ago we said, uh, or Tim and Harry came back and said, well, it's probably not doable. Uh, and then me and Harry 
were talking and said, well, that was probably the last train because now, you know, we're not getting any younger. And and to sing the way I was singing with Chuck the Messiah back in those days, these high range pitch screaming and so on and so forth. Well, I can still do them, but God knows how for how long. You know, you, you, you can hear on David Coverdale and you can hear David E. Roth, uh, you know, the, 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 the voices... Uh, can differ quite a bit year after year. Not that I'm not that I'm uh, saying that I'm anything like David or, or uh, both of David, but you know, the older you get, you get harder to do the stuff. So, 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 anyways, me and Harry said, okay, that was probably the last train for it. So, so uh, if it's going to be a Shaka Messiah reunion, no, I don't. I I, I highly doubt that. But uh, I know that that, that uh, both Tim and Harry uh, were. They wanted to do it, but but for some reason it didn't work out. Then if they're gonna do it with with, with the with the second version of Shaka Messiah with Tim singing, I don't have a slightest idea because that's nothing they're gonna talk to me about. Sure. So, but but for the original set lineup, uh, it seems like that that train has left the station. What does Harry do now? Do, does he active musically? Because I I never really hear much about him. <clears throat> well, Harry's always working with music and has. Uh, the reason for him to not be in the limelight, uh, you have to ask him about. I, I, I actually never asked him either because it, I think it's his business. Uh, Harry is a, a very private person, uh, and um, that's the way he likes it, and uh, that's uh, what I am absolutely accepting. And uh, I, so, I don't really know. Uh, too much about it. I know that he's happy where he is in a happy place right now, and he plays a lot of a lot of guitars, and he's you know he's still great on his instrument and so on. He likes to do stuff. Whatever comes out comes out. I have you know I have asked him as well uh, if he wanted to join. You know, since he is a private person, if he wanted to join maybe on a song on my solo album in Swedish because you know he used to live here as well, and so on. Uh, that never came about. Uh, and, and I have asked him of other different stuff, and and so it's it's really up to Harry. So I don't I don't really know what he got up his sleeve, but I know that he's he now feels that he's very keen on on playing and, and doing some material, and uh, whoever he decides to work with, uh, I think they should be lucky because he's an amazing guitar player. So um, my last interview was with um, Stevie James uh, from Tiger Tales. And I, I we message each other from time to time. And I told him, I'm going to be uh, interviewing uh, Zinni. And he thinks you're a great guy. Just wanted to let you know. Um, but one thing about both of your voices that I, that kind of seems similar to me is that you'll you'll kind of sing in, in like, a, like a middle tone, right? And then you'll go into the screeching. And he kind of mentioned who some of his influences were. Who are some of your influences as a vocalist? Uh, Stevie James. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, we have met in Sweden. We had an absolutely great time. Uh, fantastic guy. I like him a lot. So if you talk to him, uh, say hi for me. Uh, he was he was here a couple of weeks, some years back, and we had a really great time. Well, my influences on, on my vocals, well, wow, that's a tough one. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, uh, so many bands that influence. One of my, let's say, my, my, my all-time... Uh, say rock and roll singer hero is still steven tyler because right. he was he, he's way cool and he's absolutely amazing 
I never think near what he's doing. Uh, but I'm, I, I was influenced by, by Steven Tyler. I was influenced by Alice Cooper and the Billion Dollar, uh, Billion Dollar Babies album so, and stuff like that. I was also very influenced by Nazareth. Uh, and uh, I think that's, that's how this uh, screaming voice came about, more or less. Uh, trying to sing Rasmanas or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of styles here and there. And I, and I was, I was very much into punk here again. So the attitude that I have, some, some, some people are saying I'm, I'm, I'm an attitude singer. And that came about from, uh, from John Lydon, Johnny Rotten, because I thought he had, a, he had an attitude, uh, 100% attitude in his voice. So, it's different stuff like that, but I, I would say I would say McCafferty from from Nazareth. I would say Steven Tyler. I would say even John Rotten, and yeah, there, there are more singers around there. But but uh, those are the ones I really listen to. I love the or the ACDC stuff, of course, as well. So. Yeah, I can. Yeah, with you saying that, that all makes sense. I can hear that in your voice. So one last question. You've kind of touched on it. You said the train may have left the station, but if all four original members want to do some festival gigs, want to do an album, want to do something, you are game, correct? You're in? Well, again, if it's, if it's, the, if it's the right time and place, uh, I'm absolutely up for it. I have, you know, I have no problem with it whatsoever because the, despite the fact that me and Tim hasn't talked since 1990, it doesn't really matter. Uh, that, you know, sometimes there are tension in bands and so on and so forth and and sometimes that tension is really good because it comes out some creativityness of it. You know, you've seen it in Van Halen, you've seen it in Aerosmith as well, and so on. So I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. I would, I would think it would be absolutely mighty fun to do that. Uh, but then again, uh, why I said is, is that the, the shotgun Messiah train has left the station is more or less that we 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 tried to see if we could do something. And the reason why we were aiming at Europe at that time. And the festivals over here is due to the fact that they they really uh, want bands like Shaka Messiah and so on. But that also leaves Tim and Harry to 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 go back and forth and so on and so forth. And the reason, if we could do it in the U.S., absolutely. But it seems like the the scene for bands like Shaka Messiah in the U.S. ain't that big. So so, but but as you say, if the time and place is right and everything, I would be absolutely up for it. As long as I know that I can pull the songs off, otherwise I will not do anyone a favor to go up there and sing. Sure, Zinni, thanks so much for talking to me, man. Good luck with the new album in February. Well, thank you, Matt. Wow, what a great conversation! Zinni is a super cool guy. Stay tuned for his upcoming album, Rock On. <laughs> 